0: Welcome out to our uh, midweek service and during these Wednesday services we focus currently on spiritual gifts found in 1 Corinthians 12 and for this evening we are at verse 10 at the part of the verse that reads to another various kinds of tongues and so uh, let me pray for us before we jump into this spiritual gift. Father, we thank you for all the spiritual gifts you offer us, and we desire God to have them. And although some of us may not understand them all completely, probably none of us understand them to the full, Uh, we ask that you would reveal to us, your children, uh, what you have for us this evening, and that you minister to people where they're at tonight, because there may be some who are in need of something other than this particular gift Some may need a miracle, some may need a word of wisdom or knowledge, some may need prophecy, some may need healing, some may need faith. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to do as you will. In Jesus' name, Amen. The gift of speaking in tongues. The most controversial of the spiritual gifts, I think. And so this is what we're going to take a look at tonight. And we'll see how it goes because there's a very high likelihood that we'll need to use next month also to kind of further develop this and unpack this because the next spiritual gift is the interpretation of tongues. So it's probably going to come back to this particular gift again. So most likely next month is what we'll be talking up a little bit about this because this one stirs up a lot of debate. So we'll do that. Now one of the arguments that those have against this particular spiritual gift existing today is that it doesn't apparently manifest itself in the Old Testament. And those who take a stand that speaking in tongues was a gift only for the apostles also take a stand that the other gifts are limited to the time of the apostles, even though the rest of the spiritual gifts are found in the Old Testament. But this one, maybe, maybe not, because I find that there's something happening in the Old Testament that may be this gift of tongues, and it appears debatable, and it's actually in the book of Isaiah in the book of Isaiah, King Hezekiah was given a message by the prophet Isaiah that he was going to die, right? And so that's just not very happy news, right? I mean, you're going to die like, oh, praise the Lord. Like, you know, that's not welcoming news. So what Hezekiah did was he pleaded with God and he prayed with God and he really didn't want to die. And so in Isaiah chapter 38, verse 14, we have a description of King Hezekiah's speech. Right? And this is what it reads, like a swallow or a crane, I chirp. I moan like a dove. And so his speech was not spoken in a way that we understand speech. And in the same book, Isaiah prophesied about various kinds of tongues in chapter 8, verses 11-12. through He writes this, For by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to this people to whom He said, This is rest. Give rest to the weary, and this is repose. Yet they would not hear. Now, Some would debate that Isaiah's prophecy in verse 28 is taken out of context and it's not about speaking in tongues at all, and I'd be able to accept that argument if it weren't for Paul quoting the prophet Isaiah in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 21, and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is all about the gift of tongues. And so this is what it writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 21. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of Foreigners, will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. He's quoting Isaiah 28 in a chapter that he wrote about the gift of tongues. Now Paul, through the Holy Spirit, referenced Isaiah's writings as a prophecy for speaking in tongues. And Jesus himself spoke about the gift of tongues in the New Testament, Mark chapter 16, verses 15-17. through And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues. Jesus said that one of the supernatural signs that will accompany those who believe in him will be speaking in new tongues. And we find proof of Jesus' prophecy in the book of Acts. First, let's take a look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1-4. through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then you hop on over to Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 44. Peter was at Cornelius' house and preaching there to a group of people. Picking up at verse 44, Acts chapter 10. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them, speaking in tongues, and extolling God. And then you hop on over to Acts chapter 19. This is Paul at the Ephesian church. And so when Paul got to the Ephesian church at Ephesus, he noticed that they were missing something really, really big in their Christian life, and that was the Holy Spirit. Picking up in verse 2, Acts chapter 19. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So, we see Isaiah's and Jesus' prophecy about speaking in tongues manifest several times in the book of Acts. And so, What's the purpose anyway of having various kinds of tongues? Well, one big purpose is that it's speaking to God. It's prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Now there's a second purpose as well. Another purpose in speaking in tongues is worship. So the first one's prayer, second one's worship, and you jump down to verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. So we see the gift of tongues used to worship God, blessing and giving thanks to God. And one of the challenges I have is that I'm deficient in articulating to God and others my love, my gratitude, my thankfulness to God for everything that God is to me. And I can try, and I can try to increase my vocabulary, and I can try to do all these things, but my deeds and my words are not sufficient in expressing to God what I want to express to Him. And so, when I experience the presence of God in my life, I find that I don't have the words to share what I experience. For example, a couple of weeks ago, I shared in a sermon how awesome it is to partner with God in doing good. And the best that I could do was get excited about it and talk louder and kind of get animated about it. But I found myself so deficient in trying to share that experience because. That's exactly what needs to happen is that it needs to be experienced. You have to experience it. And it's very challenging to describe an experience with God with just mere words, especially to someone who isn't spiritual. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God and they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so, it would be like trying to describe to someone who can't hear the New York Philharmonic performing a piece by Tchaikovsky. How can you do that to someone that can't hear? It'd be like trying to describe to someone who can't see just the grandeur of the Grand Canyon and those beautiful contrasting colors between the blue sky and the white clouds and that red clayish thing and then the water on the bottom and how beautiful big it is that a plane looks so small in the middle of it and how do you describe these things how do you describe to someone what chocolate ice cream tastes like if they've never had chocolate or ice cream like how do you do that you really can't right you have to experience it And there are abilities that can't discern exactly what it is by mere words. It actually has to be experienced. It has to be seen. It has to be tasted. It has to be smelled. It has to be heard. Just as it is for the natural person to understand supernatural things without experiencing them. And the psalmist wrote in chapter 34, verse 8 of Psalms, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Right that the goodness of God it has to be experienced. You can't describe it adequately. In Philippians chapter four, verse seven, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God that surpasses understanding. So you can't be described to understand, you have to know. You have to take in that logic. You have to take in that reason. But you cannot understand this peace which surpasses understanding. It has to be experienced. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. You rejoice with joy that is inexpressible? See, it's only by experience. Right? It's only by experience. Paul wrote about the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. And again, it's experience. The love of Christ is not just some information downloaded. It's to be experienced. And just like the indescribable goodness, peace, joy, love of God that can't be fully explained with words, trying to express to God Our gratitude and thanks and appreciation, those things are just all seriously limited by our mere words. And what I really want to say is not adequate to how I feel or what I want to express to God. And so this is where the gift of tongues enters to kind of help bolster that inadequacy. Right? Because you just don't have those words. You just don't have that vocabulary. Now a third purpose of speaking in tongues is this. It's to build up the individual believer. To build up the individual believer. To build up from the foundation of Jesus or to have Jesus built up in you personally. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4 The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Right, So we've taken a look at these three purposes for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Prayer, worship, and the building up of an individual believer. And I'd like now to shift gears to explore a couple of questions that some people may have, such as, does everyone speak in tongues? Or is speaking in tongues required to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Right? So just a couple of questions there. Now take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 28. Because there are some circles that believe that if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not saved. Sound familiar to what we've been studying in Galatians? Right? If you're not circumcised, you're not saved. If you're not baptized, you're not saved. If you don't speak in tongues, it's the same thing, same argument. That's not true. Right? It's not true. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers do all work miracles do all possess gifts of healing do all speak with tongues do all interpret and now these are rhetorical questions because their obvious answer is no right no not everyone does these things but for those who do have this particular gift of tongues what are the limits? What are the uh, restrictions, the boundaries of exercising this particular gift? Well, when it comes to one's own practices, your own spiritual practices, there doesn't seem to be any limits. It seems to be extremely free. You are free to speak in tongues as much as you desire. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Right, So he wrote that to the Corinthian church who actually practiced the gift of tongues a lot. Because that's why he wrote that whole chapter in 14 as an instruction to them because they were just kind of going off their thing. and he, So he was kind of like showing them, you know, individually, do as you please, but there are these limits, there are these boundaries, there are these restrictions as to how this gift is kind of done properly. And then he followed that verse with this. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So the practice in one's personal spiritual disciplines is different than when practicing that gift in public. At a church service, the exercising of this gift has limits, it has restrictions, it has boundaries. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting in verse 27, If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and in each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. So if there is no interpreter of tongues in the church, then the one who has the gift of tongues is to keep it to her or himself. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in verse 39 and 40, Paul wrote, So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid in speaking tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. So exercising the gift of various kinds of tongues in churches to be done in decency and in order it's not to be disturbing or disruptive or distracting it's not to happen when the word of god is being preached or taught or when people are leading worship and you're just kind of blurting out. it's it's not to be done in a disordered way or an indecent way and paul wrote in first corinthians chapter 14 verse 33 for god is not a god of confusion but of peace now why is this gift so controversial Well, because there are those of the Christian faith who believe that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. They've ended. They've stopped. And the manifestation of these gifts are either figments of people's imaginations or it's coming out of their flesh, or it's evil spirits. And so that is totally possible. I'm not saying that's not possible. That is entirely possible that people are speaking out of their flesh, that they're just kind of doing it, and it is also possible that people are speaking through the prompting of evil spirits and not of the Holy Spirit. Now how can you tell the difference? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is lord except in the holy spirit. So, if anyone insinuates Jesus to be accursed while they are speaking in tongues, you know that's not the holy spirit. That's not the holy spirit. So we encourage people to speak in tongues with biblical limits, right? So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 just so that we have that in this context. We'll read from verses 1 But even more, to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. So Paul put the gift of prophecy above the gift of tongues when it came to public displays of these spiritual gifts. Now back to this controversy of why some believe this gift has ceased. Some cessationists, the ones who believe that the gifts, the Holy Spirit, the spiritual gifts have ceased today, they will reference 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, as verses as to why they believe these gifts have ceased. And it reads this Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So many times they will use this part of these verses. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Because love is eternal. We all know that. And the spiritual gifts found in chapter 13, verse 8, those are temporary. Now how a cessationist interprets this time frame of when the perfect comes is as the apostolic time period, right? The days of the early church. That's their interpretation of when that perfect time came. Now how did they come up with this time frame? Well, they interpret it as this is when the Bible was completed. So that's when perfection came. The Word of God was done. So that's when perfection came. So when John finished that period in the book of Revelation that's when perfection came. That would be their interpretation. And so up until that point, before the completion of the written Word of God, those spiritual gifts would be exercised and they would believe it's because it was necessary because we didn't have the complete Word of God yet. Now, I can understand their reasoning if it weren't for the gift of tongues. Because if the spiritual gifts were just about revelation of God's Word and will through the Scriptures... And since it wasn't completed yet, spiritual gifts were God's way of revealing Himself to His followers without the written Word. I understand that. That's not what the gift of tongues is though. It's not to reveal the Word of God. It's not to reveal those truths. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands Him, but He utters mysteries in the Spirit. The gift of tongues wasn't ever used to reveal the Word of God or the will of God to the masses. Never. And besides, not all of Revelation is complete anyway. Now before you label me a heretic, let me explain. Okay? Yes, the Bible gives us the complete Gospel. It gives us what we need to understand and to know God. To learn from God's wisdom. Everything we need is in the Word of God. Right, But, there are things that aren't revealed to us yet. Isn't that true? For example, you look at Revelation chapter 10, verse 4. John wrote, And when the seven thunders had sounded, I, John, was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the seven thunders have set and do not write it down. So we don't have all of it. God stopped John from writing some of those things, right? And so God decided not to give us all of Revelation, just what we need, the things that we need right now. And Jesus decided not to say some things as well. John chapter 16, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Paul did the same thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it, and even now are not yet ready. So we don't have everything. And there are things that God has not revealed to us yet through Himself, through His Son, Jesus, through His servant Paul. And again, in no way am I saying the Bible is incomplete. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that God has revealed what He decided to reveal to us, but there's so much more for Him to reveal to us. So my point is, how can the perfect have come and the partial pass away if God's entire revelation has not been given to us yet? He's held some of it back. I don't see how that works. And if you look at earlier interpretations of theologians and biblical scholars... They interpreted when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away as the second coming of Christ. They did not interpret it as, oh, the Bible came. They interpreted it as Jesus' second coming came. And this is where I personally land. And so I don't believe God has revealed everything to us, as the Scriptures have also stated. And I also don't believe we have perfect knowledge of God. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Even as I have been fully known, even though God fully knows me, I don't know Him yet. It's then, right? And so I have a really hard time with know-it-alls. People who claim to know everything, right? People who claim to know everything about everything or everything about the Bible or all this kind of stuff. It drives me nuts. And many times that arrogance and, you know, being arrogant and being a know-it-all, they kind of go hand in hand. Those same people have this personality match, like they just, they're the same person. And so you talk to some people and they think they know the Bible when they really don't know the Bible. They know very little of it. And so they'll claim that they know how to study the Bible, they know what the Scriptures say, and they know the Scriptures better than I know, and all this kind of stuff, and they'll share all this stuff. And you may know the Scriptures better than I know, but the thing is, I have been in the Word of God for 34 years. Ever since I could read. My mom disciplined me to read at least one chapter of the Bible every night before I went to bed. And during my summer vacations, I was disciplined to transcribe by hand 10 pages of the Bible every day. I don't know how many times I've written it. I think it's been over 10 times I've written the entire Bible. I don't know how many times I've read the entire Bible. But you know, I thank her today because she had no idea that she was preparing me for ministry. And she's not even a believer. She just made me do these things because she's just tiger mom. Now, I don't tell you these things to boast about myself. That's not why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this that I've been reading the Bible for 34 years. I don't know how many times I've read through it because I've read a chapter every night since I was five. I've transcribed 10 pages every day since I was five through high school because after high school I was free and I didn't have to do that anymore. I've done all that to confess to you I don't know a lot about the scriptures. I just don't know a lot of the Scriptures because there is so much to know. And you know what? The more you know, the more you find out you don't know. And so for those who say, oh, I know the Bible, you know what I know? You haven't read the thing. Because if you really studied it, you would know you don't know jack squat! Right? Because it's true about anything else. The more you become an expert of something, the more you find out you really don't know that stuff. Because you open up, like, the biology, and then you find out, oh, there's microbiome, and there's cell bio, and there's biochem, and there's there's all these other... And then you go deeper, and you go, oh, there's fluid dynamics, and there's all this stuff, right? And so, it's kind of like a kid. They learn how to write an A. And they think, I know everything. I learned how to write an A. But you know, even learning how to write an A took a lot to get to because you had to learn how to grip a pencil. You had to have hand-and-eye coordination. You had to know how much pressure to put on the thing. right? You had to have kind of a direction as to where you're going to write it. It's not like you just picked up a pencil and you're like, A. I know everything. You don't do that. And then, after you wrote the letter A, there was 25 other letters to learn. And you think you knew everything about A. And then it opens up and you had all these letters to learn. And then you learn like if you combine these different letters, you make words. And then if you combine different words, you make sentences. And if you combine sentences, you make stories. And you have all this kind of stuff. And then, not only that, then you have different types of writing. Because you can write autobiographies and biographies and fiction and science fiction and poetry and music. And all this kind of stuff. You see how it just goes deeper and deeper from a letter A? It's the same thing as the Bible. You think you just read the Bible once. I got it. Please, give me a break. And it's the same for any other expertise, whether it's science or nutrition or sports. The more you become an expert of something, the more you discover just how little you know about it. And it's just like our relationship with God. Because the closer I get to God, the more I realize how far I really am from Him. Because I can see more clearly the sin in me. I can see more clearly how I'm separated from Him. So even though I feel closer to Him, I'm realizing I am so far. Be careful about our arrogance about how much we really know. I have found that the person who thinks that they know so much is actually the person who knows so little. And how important it is to be humble and not arrogant. And one last thought as to why the gift of tongues is for today it's in acts chapter 2 acts chapter 2 starting in verse 16 peter was quoting the prophet joel and when people wondered what was happening during pentecost people began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance and so again yeah, we don't have an exact example in the Old Testament about speaking in tongues. You can maybe question King Hezekiah in Isaiah. For sure, Paul quoted Isaiah and brought him as a reference back into what he was saying in 1 Corinthians. And here's another spot where the prophet Joel is quoted when talking about the gifts of tongues. Starting in verse 16, Acts chapter 2. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. the prophet joel 's prophecy it's found in Joel chapter two, starting in verse twenty eight, was for when? What did it say? in the last days, right Verse seventeen. now, when are the last days? The last days are between Jesus coming, his incarnational coming, 2,000 years ago, up until the second coming, sometime in the future. So, right now, we're in the last days. And so, this prophetic word continues. The last days were not when John finished writing Revelation, those weren't the last days. It's now. Jesus hasn't come back yet. And as the gift of prophecy continues today, so do the other spiritual gifts. It's not like just prophecy happens and all the other gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Those don't count. All of them. Now, one last thought before concluding tonight. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Now what are the higher gifts? It really depends on what you need. Right? It depends on what you need. For those who have a lack of clarity in a situation that you are dealing with, the higher gift for you would probably be the utterance of wisdom so that you can receive direction for that need. And for those of you who have health issues you're dealing with or something you're dealing with physically or mentally or emotionally and you desire to be made well, your higher gift is probably faith, healing and miracles because all those kind of go hand in hand. And for those of you who have a person in your life who is touting themselves to be spiritual but you're just not sure if that's true or it's not true, then your higher gift is the ability to distinguish between spirits. Discernment. So it depends on what's going on as to what the higher gift is. And for those of you who desire a deeper, personal, spiritual life where you are built up, where you have a more intimate prayer language, a more intimate worship time, where you desire to be built up as a follower of Jesus, then perhaps your higher gift is various kinds of tongues. So that that gift enriches your prayers and it enriches your worship and you are built up personally. Now I understand that speaking in tongues may be challenging to accept for some because why is there any need of communicating in a way that you can't understand yourself? Why in the world would that happen? Now I want to encourage you to get out of your head for a moment and go back to when you were a baby, right? Right now, I have a six-month-old, so this is very pertainable to me. And even when you were a baby, you had things that you wanted to communicate, but you had no words. And you were just kind of doing what you could. And so, same with my kid. I have no idea what she's saying to me. I don't understand, but she is communicating to me. And in a way, I do know what she's saying to me because it's either change my diaper, feed me, or hold me, or something like that. It's very simple right now for as a baby. It's one of those things. And so I can get that. And so she doesn't have the words, but she can still communicate to me that she's happy or content or pleased because the thing is, we have a covenant with one another. I'm her dad. We have a covenant together. And we have this covenant with God our Father. We have this covenant with Him and we have this communication accessible that we have this language between us and even though we don't fully understand it, just like when you were babies, you didn't understand what you're saying, but you definitely wanted to say something to whoever was taking care of you and doing these things. It's the same thing with God. I don't know how to express certain things, but there it is. I don't have the depth of vocabulary. I can't express it with mere words. My praise and my thanks and my gratitude my appreciativeness i don't know what to say but here it is that by faith and trust in the holy spirit to bring about those sounds to be prayer and worship and to build yourself up and praise from your spirit to god in sounds that you don't even know what you're saying and since god has this gift available to us i mean it's in first corinthians 12 It has to have value. I mean, He's not just going to put it there. Like, "Mm, I'll just include that one. It has to be valuable. If God has it to offer to us, I want it. I want it. I want anything that will deepen my relationship to Jesus. Anything. If it's offered, I want it. But above all things, above these gifts, I want His presence. I want His presence. I just want to be with Him, which is the definition of heaven, isn't it? That He's there. I don't want to shut myself off to the things that He has for me, no matter how odd it may seem. And maybe that's one of the reasons why some haven't received this gift, they just haven't been able to get past it intellectually, because it's like, that is weird. We study linguistics, you know, we have languages, and I understand people speaking different languages, but what's this? Just a different language. Just a different language. And so next month's spiritual gift service, we're going to be looking at the gift of interpretation of tongues. And along with that, we're going to continue exploring this gift of tongues because it's going to be necessary in order to talk further about the interpretation of tongues is to kind of backtrack into this gift. So next month, we're just going to take a different angle to this particular gift of tongues and take a look at more of the mechanics behind speaking in tongues and how to receive the gift of tongues as well as the gift of interpretation of tongues. So let's pray and Matt will continue to lead us in worship and we're going to take some time also to have communion and the communion elements are just right there over to the side. Please reflect upon what Paul wrote in Corinthians and we have those verses up there before you take communion. Now tonight I know some of you are hoping to speak in tongues as you've shared with me that you want to do that and If that is your higher gift that you are in need of tonight, I pray, Holy Spirit, that those people would receive it. But not everyone's at that place, and I really want you guys to just get the gift that you need, because some of you may need wisdom. Some of you may need discernment. Some of you may need healing, miracles, faith. Some of you may need a word of knowledge. So... After you take some time in worship and reflecting to God and asking God, God, what's that higher gift for me tonight? And after you take communion towards the end of Matt's closing songs, we're going to get together in smaller groups where you guys can pray for one another and maybe even share with one another what higher gift you need tonight. And then have people lay hands on you and pray for you to receive that and be open to receive it okay now if you're going to speak in tongues within like a large group setting again we ask that we have an interpreter for that tongue but if it's just you go for it just go for it you're on your own go for it right i'll just be sitting up front here if anyone needs prayer